for a question and answer period. I hope everybody enjoyed their, uh, their lunch. The uh, question and answer period is going to start up, but I'm going to first announce the next topic for next week's SACPA session. It is a topic of what is holding back the adoption of electric cars. We're going to have a speaker named Jim Style. He's a uh, Mensa genius and an entertainer and a storyteller, and he's going to give us his views on what is holding back the electric car or electric cars. So please join us for that. And uh, we're going to have questions and answers at the micro or questions at the microphone here. The uh, we're looking for short, topical comments. Uh, ahead of one or two respectful questions for our speaker, and then we encourage people to return to their seat to allow our speaker to answer them. No questions from the floor, please. And uh, thank everyone for attending. Let's welcome Rick Strankman back to the microphone. Questions over here. Hi, Rick. Uh, Henning Mundel is my name. I have two relatively quick questions. The answers might not be quite so quick. So the first one is, from your presentation, I wonder why aren't you thinking of running as an independent federally? A lot of the things you talked about were federal jurisdiction, federal issues. Okay, number one. And number two, would you advocate for, let's say we have 87 MLAs, 87 independent MLAs, then who would look after the provincial infrastructure, the highways, the health, the education, if your responsibility is your writing? Well, uh, thanks for that. Uh, I'm sorry, was that Henry? Henning. Uh, okay, thank you. Um, it's, um, it is a challenge, and it's taken me some time to get my head around it, but uh, in the Northwest Territories, or the Northern model, I guess I would call it, uh, they only have uh, 19, I believe if I'm, my math is correct, but please, it's a Google question. They have uh, 19, and from that, then they pick the, the, the Premier and then the other Cabinet members that are needed, and everyone else sits in opposition. So then the onus becomes upon every member to bring forward their local constituency issue, and if they can get favour, of the of the group, uh, then it goes forward, and that's part of the um, controversy, I guess you could call it, of uh, of having a caucus whip. In the uh, wild rose cycle, uh, Danielle uh, talked to us, and we we made decisions on on uh, how we were going to vote, and who, if somebody was going to be voting different than the rest of caucus, then uh, then she would be aware and could message that that constituents or those, that group, that person wanted to bring forward a different opinion. So um, it's not without its challenges, and, uh, but I think that there could be, if there's a consensus, and uh, one of the gentlemen that called me um, the day after I uh, became an independent was from England, and he said, actually, that, the idea of whipping the caucus is the role of the whip, but they actually had independent members prior to all this uh, party uh, initiative, to my understanding of what he told me. And so it's up to the whip then to decide if in 87 seats that you would have a minimum of 44 to vote for a, for a change. 
you, you wouldn't have to have 70 or 65 or whatever uh, going forward. So I, I don't know if that's uh, enough of an explanation. It, it deserves some, some uh, thought process there going forward. It's not as uh, defined and succinct as you, might, as you might think. But they've been using it up there since the middle 70s. And I haven't heard of any big scandal or anything going on up there. There may be, but, uh, and I'd, I'd encourage you, sir, to, to look that up. Oh, to the federal run? Um, I've been down there to Ottawa, and uh, the, liberal, the liberal stench there, sir, allows me to walk away from that central peace tower, and I don't even look over my shoulder. You know, I, I was blessed, as I said at the outset in our other commentary, to be able to walk with Stephen Harper, with guys like Ike and Brian, to, to change a federal policy. And, and there, is, uh, there is room for a third-party organization, and that's one of the things we were as the Farmers for Justice. Initially, the Wheat Board called us a fringe group, but I wear that hat with great pride because because we, we were able to influence uh, the Prime Minister of the country and his caucus to change a federal piece of legislation, all from an unelected position. We we're out in, in the West, you know, and, and some parties in Central Canada now view us as some sort of a, a backwater, or in the USA they call it flyover country. We're not. We got a right to be Canadian, and we need to be proud about standing up for who we are and how we affect that. They're, they're, we're not any better than, than they are. They're not any better than we are. We're Canadian, and we need to, to, to stand our ground. We need to defend the rights that those people that died for those rights fought for. Thank you. Mike McKaig is my name. <clears throat> um, I, I've missed your point, I think. I, I, I understand all of the part about the Canadian Wheat Board and, and all that. But I understood that you were going to tell us how independent MLAs would work better in the province. And relating it to the Wheat Board, what do you think needs to be done and who needs to go to jail to get Alberta to have an independent government? Well, well, first off, we need to get rid of red tape uh, in this province. It takes so long to uh, effect large projects. Uh, to, to come forward, and uh, we are hamstrung by uh, jurisdictions outside of our control, but uh, the present Premier hasn't advocated for, for those strong developments. They, they go and they make uh, overtures in that regard, but uh, they don't. So, you know, and I, I may have gotten off on a well, rabbit trail. I think, you've, I think you've answered my question. You think that we should have independent MLAs in Edmonton, as long as they're all conservative, have the same conservative attitude that you have. Exactly, and that would be uh, definitively uh, choose by the people. Hi, uh, my name is Pat Chizik, and I am the Liberal candidate for Lethbridge West in the upcoming provincial election. So my question for you is regards to this uh, member committee motion that they just passed that will in effect take away the independence and the all the political parties that do not have at least four seats will take away their ability to get proper funding and take away their ability to ask questions 
So my question to you is, is that not taking away their rights as a duly elected representative? Yes, ma'am, it's deeply democratically frustrating. I will tell you, though, that uh, my budget as an independent member is higher, the, the, the legislative budget in Edmonton, my budget in the constituency stays the same, but my budget in the, in the Edmonton uh, legislature, the, the LAO Legislative Assembly office, was unusually high. So the idea of ad addressing that is important, but, but as an independent member, I wasn't even allowed to go uh, to that committee and vote. I could go to it, I could speak and make a noise like a, like a barking dog, but uh, you know, it, it wasn't to be. And so that's what we need to fight for, ladies and gentlemen, is to get back to basic democracy. It's all uh, choreographed, if I could use that word, by unelected people. Thank you. Hi, my name's Ken Sears, and I'm not going to argue with you about the wheat board, though I know a lot of people who would think that you guys were wrong, and still are. But the question I have is kind of arises directly out of something you said. You talked about a lot about the 10 years between the time that you guys tried to run grain across the border and the time mm -hmm. the Harper government managed to get a majority so that they could pass, they could, they could change the legislation. Now, that's fine. It took, a it took a majority to do that. But now you're coming to us and saying, we should all be independent. We should all be able to vote our conscience. We should all be able to do anything we please. You got a good well, point. just exactly how were you figuring you were going to get that legislation changed if you had 370 some odd MPs down there, each of them going their own direction? The key then, sir, would be to exactly use the whip's role to, uh, to get that mandate. In Alberta, for example, we have 87, 87 seats, and we only need 44 to achieve a change, not, not anything more than that. But there, there can be, uh, you know, public knowledge or whatever. I, I, I hear your point. Uh, I mean, some people say it's random pandemonium. But that was uh, the part of the role of the direct democracy. And then it would put the, the uh, role of the whip at an extremely higher level. The, the, the whip now basically just has to make sure everybody gets up in the morning and comes to the ledge. Because they're all told, you know, we're going to vote for party policy. We're not going to waver from that. I could go back to my constituency. In fact, one time on a committee in the, in the Wild Rose uh, cycle, they asked about uh, um, uh, fast rail transport, and I voted against that. I said, not in my lifetime or anyone else's lifetime is there going to be a high-speed rail out to Hannah. You know, so, you know, but that wasn't necessarily the, the view of the Wild Rose Caucus at that time. Okay, I wasn't going to debate you with this, but now you've really lost me. You talk about independent members sitting, and then you talk about the whip. Well, a whip necessity, by necessity, by definition, is, is someone that gives the party direction, that, does, that tells the individual members how they're supposed to vote and, while they're, you know, and keeps that discipline. That's, not, that's, that's standard democracy. So just exactly where does this whip come from? Is he appointed by God or who? Well, he'd have to be uh, appointed by the majority of, of the caucus, whatever that, appointed by the majority of the free enterprise members. Elected, I'm sorry, I don't mean appointed, I meant elected. 
Hi, my name's Dave Major. Um, I, a slightly different question, but uh, I, my first one is, is there the equivalent of the PMO at the provincial level? Um, the, the, uh, there is a, uh, in the Brian Jean cycle, they appointed a parliamentary secretary. The reason I ask is because I know when I worked for the federal government, there was a lot of concern among the civil servants that we had a duplication of effort because the, the government has all these departments and those are supposed to provide the information that the prime minister needs. Mm -hmm. But then I think it was Pierre Trudeau went and started the PMO's office and it just, or maybe he, maybe it just grew from when it was just three or four people to now it's a whole army of people. But my question is, how does, and I wish you had a name for this kind of government that you're talking about, like the territories have, how does that kind of government prevent a PMO from becoming so powerful. And in the last couple of weeks, we've seen how powerful they are uh, telling elected members what to do. Well, uh, the phrase for this other model of government is consensus government. And, uh, and there, there, there's a need for that. Uh, the problem with uh, the PMO office or the in inferencing of that in the last federal election, and again, I have to qualify everything, ladies and gentlemen, with no malice, but when the party decided to run the, the last federal election, the political ops director came out of the PMO's office. That person didn't come from the party. And there was a lot of dissent at the party level because they, like, who is this person? They, they're, yes, they're not getting paid a government wage during the writ period, but they, how, did they, how did they achieve their stature uh, to to hold that role, and and you know, and so your question is uh, is well received. I'm somewhat dodging it, possibly, in that, you know, the, the, to get the the elected members to choose who they want, just like a speaker, the elected members decide who the speaker is. Uh, my name is Don Ryan. I um, hear a lot of talk since uh, Reagan and Thatcher and this uh, right-wing movement about red tape. And I guess that's the same thing as regulations. But my question is, why was regulation first put in? I would suggest for control. My name is Laurie Schultz. Thanks for your presentation uh, today. I have a couple of questions. Um, another person at my table um, had done some research around the North Northwest Territories and their council, and, and uh, um, you know, advised that really they have um, had hundreds of years of that type of self-governance around consensus. And um, so they certainly have a history to, uh, for that. Uh, so I've, I have two questions. My first question, though, around that is, in, in, our, in, in, um, in our political history, our governance history, um, 
And in light of the last five, ten years with technology, and uh, you've mentioned that in your presentation, uh, where a lot of information is thrown out. And I'll throw the, the reality TV show survivors. So what would the checks and balances be in a consensus or independent MLA? What would the checks and balances be for the camps and alliances uh, to not take over um, and, and, and rule? Um, I'll leave, I'll leave that. That's my uh, first could question. I, could I just answer yeah. that? Because I f might forget. Yeah, uh, the, uh, it, to my understanding, ma'am, uh, they have a recall system so that there is a way that if that member is off on a tangent or something that they view as unacceptable, that they could recall them. Now, I'm way, going way out here. I don't know what the parameters of that. Actually, uh, Mr. Jason Kenney also talked about recall, but there's no uh, threshold numbers like in British Columbia, I think the threshold, and please don't quote me, it's, it's near half. It's, it's like 40% or something like that, you know, for people to express their disapproval through a plebiscite or whatever it may be called to, to effect that change. Thank you. So uh, my second question will sort of relate to the first. Uh, in your presentation, you mentioned about talking to Albertans and knowing what Albertans want. Um, my question is really, what methodology have you used or would you uh, purport to use that when Albertans are surveyed or, or that you really get the goods, you really get um, um, a representative mm -hmm. sample I, of really what <laughs> Albertans want, just not what your echo chamber is yeah. saying. I've, uh, in my constituency, when I was first elected in 2012, there was pressure to have three constituency offices, and I have one in, Han or one in Hannah, pardon me, and one in Drumheller, and one in Stettler. Uh, there is a vast portion, and if, if the new constituency comes about, provost would be a, would be a uh, outlier, if you will, and I would do what I could to make sure that they had a place in that. But through um, a council of mine, uh, we write a weekly blog, and, uh, and you could go to rickstrankman.ca if you wished, and see you know, how I've been trying to explain my positioning going forward. And, and at the bottom of all those blogs in the, in, the, in the riding is all the office phone numbers. And we rely heavily on that. Uh, you know, we have uh, situations where people phone in with government issues regarding uh, ACE, sure, the driver's license, uh, the, the newly released driver's license criteria and such like that. So that's how we try and uh, get feedback. I go to many constituencies. I've been chastised, I will tell you, for not attending, uh, for example, uh, certain uh, Legion events in Drumheller, which is a large center. But at the same time I was getting chastised for that, I was over at Hanna, and there was a volunteer came up to me and says, Mr. Strankman, we've never seen an MLA at this function. So, you know, I mean, I have to be mature in weighing those comments. Thank you. Evertanis is my name. I thank you for your speech and your courage for coming down here. Uh, this is a nonpartisan question. When the time comes when we elect MLAs as independents, how many contestants would you like to see run in each constituency? Oh, I don't think, I think that's the choice of the people. 
Uh, certainly there could be complications with that. Uh, in the province, in the 87 constituencies, I think it would be important to see all of them. But that is a, that's an a ambitious goal. And it's not unlike I tried to infer uh, with my friends here to challenge uh, the Canadian Wheat Board legislation as well. Terry Shellington, thank you very much for your presentation and uh, for being here and engaging with us. Um, I've been reflecting on all the dynamics around this and our conversation at the table. Uh, I think you're pursuing um, an illusion of simplicity that's not realistic. Uh, we use the consensus model at the municipal level because the issues tend to be fairly, uh, fairly uh, confined and fairly identifiable, <clears throat> and the powers of the municipal government are, are somewhat reduced. Um, and uh, I want to make a, a comment just aside. I think we all have great dreams for democracy that are only partly realized. Whatever system we use, mm -hmm. it will always be disappointing in that we imagine uh, uh, something much more ideal than what it actually happens when people on the ground start to do things. However, in your system in which, to get to my point, in your system in which <clears throat> I would be guided by my constituents and, and that dialogue would happen and, and so I take those to the, to the uh, provincial government, uh, I'm not sure who has the large vision in all this. And the reason we have political parties is because they define some of the grand vision. Uh, whether it's liberal or NDP or conservative, there is a vision behind the programs. We may bring forward five specific things for, uh, that are priorities, mm -hmm. but we have a vision about how life would unfold in this province. And I'm not sure who would be concerned about the vision or defining it, and I think vision is very important. Um, uh, we go around in circles unless we have a sense about what the vision is, where we want to get to. So in your consensus model, uh, I can't identify anyone who would have that responsibility for defining the vision and enlisting uh, people in, in pursuing it. That's an excellent question, uh, and uh, my response to that would be, is whoever is the most uh, vociferous, uh, outspoken, and has a general consensus uh, of the province going forward. Uh, you know, uh, and, and I, I have a great um, aversion to some of that because, because I, I witnessed, I was part of the floor crossing event when certain members of the caucus figured that uh, you know, again, ladies and gentlemen, no malice because he's deceased. The former premier uh, was going to control, manage, and, and we were all just going to side in there. Well, my frustration through that was, what about Albertans? When do Albertans get to say? Do Albertans get to say at this level, and then, and then the MLA can go wherever he wants? It, it's not, uh, it, it is a complicated issue, and I will certainly give you that, and uh, you know, to try and expound on that. I haven't fully researched how you could go from 19 to, let's say, 190. You know, it's a, it, it, it's a, it's a onerous task, but it's, it is a task, yeah, like, uh, more directly to democracy. If I may have a supplementary. Sure. <laughs> um, but I think you're contradicting yourself. Uh, as an MLA, your accountability is to your constituents. That mm -hmm. I understand. Who's accountable to the whole province? 
I'm not hearing anybody in the consensus model that would be accountable to the whole body of Alberta. I'm, I'm just not hearing it. That's what I was, that's what I was trying to say is uh, the, the floor crossers were accountable to, the whole, to all those constituencies and, and they tried to make a decision that wasn't popular with their constituents. And then when the constituents had a, a chance to make their X, those people never saw the light of day. I think I get your train of thought there, uh, but uh, ultimately it's, uh, it needs to be visionary and, and, and that's, that's what I'm trying to impart. Bev Mundell Atherstone. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm fighting a cold. Thank you very much for your talk. The, um, as the Westminster model is actually embedded within the Greek model, of um, pro and con, um, figuring out who's, who's for something, who's against, and that ultimately means there will be winners and losers. So that lends itself to the bullying concept. There's a winner, there's a loser. Mm -hmm. the, the whole concept of consensus, as one of the other speakers mentioned, comes out of a different paradigm, and you yourself mentioned a paradigm shift, in which <clears throat> the group would be working towards the benefit of the en entire entity. So to try to take the model that we have that is embedded within a bullying system and simply exchange it with independents who are going to be working on some kind of a consensus model won't work because the whole system would actually have to be changed. And we, who would be running, like you yourself are, as an independent, would have to come out of a belief system that there will be no winners and losers, but that the people of the province would benefit from your consensus model. But I don't hear you saying that. I hear you saying that you just want to simply reverse who the bullies are and that you would become one of the bullies. So for that reason, it's not going to work. Thank you. I appreciate your opinion. I, I appreciate your opinion. Uh, however, uh, you, you know, whether we're changing bullies or not, uh, and, and that happens right now in the municipal system, where uh, the Reeve and, and several other caucus member or uh, councillors may decide to put in some special project. Uh, so, so that's kind of a fact of, of life. But it, it isn't uh, predestined, I guess is what I'm trying to say, to, to, uh, to the body that's elected. Am I okay for one more question? Absolutely. Knut Peterson is my name. Thank you very much for traveling down here. I understand the roads weren't perfect for you, but you made it. Uh, just a little comment on your LCC relate, related comment. Uh, it, it was actually Lethbridge uh, College was called Last Chance College. <laughs> <laughs> so they changed it to Lethbridge College now. It's no, lo no longer LCC. Anyway, my question relates to if everybody sat as an independent, uh, it would eventually warp into a uh, parties anyway. Do you agree? My only response is based on the research that we have is uh, for uh, since the middle 70s that hasn't evolved in the three other jurisdictions in the country. 
if that were the case, uh, it should be in the evolution process, but it doesn't seem to be. Now, if there's some other question behind the question from those people, I'd be willing, you know, like Mr. Paul Harvey used to say, what is the rest of the story? You know, uh, I would be willing to accept that. On. Rick, would you like to give us a take-home question, something the audience can think about, or a closing message that you'd like? Well, I guess, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you again for having me. Uh, and I would just ask that you expand your horizons uh, and be involved in the next electoral cycle uh, to the best of your abilities. Uh, it's important, and that's part of the reason why I came. Whether you agree or disagree with my presentation, uh, that's fine, uh, but uh, please give it serious thought. And the people that you talk to, have them give it serious thought. It's, it's highly important. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Oh, one, uh, one thing, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, through my trials and tribulations, I uh, had a bit of a down day talking about, and this is uh, from 2012, but I created, and they're back over there on the corner, um, coffee mugs for anybody who would like some. And if there aren't any there, please approach me or my assistants here. Uh, it's, uh, it says history, easier read than made. And so that's the, uh, that's the uh, theme, I guess, that I, that I approach this challenge with. Um, are we gonna be successful? I don't know, but I don't think that uh, fighting for democracy in any fashion, any form, is an unworthy task. So there's mugs back there, you're welcome. Thank you again. Thank you, Mr. Strankman.